patriots. Welcome to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we are talking about the warmongers in Congress, Biden being mad about his poll numbers, and the Sussman jury next on Living with Liberty. in Congress are at it again. They're licking their chops. They're rubbing their hands together. They finally have gotten what they want. We now have Mitch McConnell saying that we should send weapons to Taiwan in order to send a message to the CCP. One, what is it these clowns don't get about we are out of money? We keep having to print money for all their pet projects and to, to, to make our budget and everything else, yet they keep sending it all over the world. They keep buying weapons and sending those all over the world. What is it they don't get about America first, take care of our own backyard, and then if there's anything left over, then we can help other folks out? Two, are they actually looking to get us into a two-front war? And yes, I said into a two-front war. I mean, I know McConnell and a few others of the warmongers out there in Congress were born during World War II, But do we really need to repeat that era of history? Do we really need to be in a two-front war? Do we really need the whole world pointing weapons at each other? Do we as a nation need to be worried about fighting on two fronts? Now, according to an Epic Times piece, I will link in the description box, McConnell had this to say about the message we could send to Xi Jinping by helping Ukraine defeat Russia. He said this, By helping the Ukrainians defeat Russia, the United States could demonstrate to the Chinese Communist Party leader, Xi Jinping, that asymmetrical warfare was possible and that a Chinese invasion of Taiwan would end in grave harm to the Chinese people. Now, is McConnell's office going to walk this statement back? That's what I want to know. He he all but admitted that we are, one, basically at war with Russia at this point by helping the Ukrainians defeat Russia. Okay, we're admitting that we're in this and we're helping them. We are at war with Russia ourselves. Two, he's basically put a threat out there to uh, China that says, if you invade Taiwan, it will end in grave harm for your people. Is his office going to walk these statements back? Are we going to have some McConnell staffer 
coming out, issuing a statement, whatever, saying, oh, yeah, uh, Mitch didn't mean that. No, I haven't seen one yet, and I doubt one's coming. This is the rhetoric that is going to get us in trouble. This is the kind of rhetoric that is pushing Russia and China together in a closer, more cooperative partnership. It's dumb crap like this that our elected officials who are looking to get us into another war, whose defense contractor partners and donors must be feeling the heat from a profit standpoint and said, go generate us another war. So, You've got Mitch McConnell and number and a number of others saying, "Okay, uh, yeah, let me do that because you donated to my campaign. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours." Now McConnell also had this to say about uh, defending ourselves by sending more advanced weapons to Taiwan. He said, "This number one, it sends a message to Xi by beating Putin in Ukraine. So I'm I'm guessing that's the forty billion he's referring to that we sent over to Ukraine." So that, hey, that sends a message. We're going to beat Putin's inept army in Ukraine. That'll send a message to Xi. And then he said, number two, by selling the Taiwanese weapons they need to defend themselves, we will show the Chinese that, you know, we're not going to be messed with, that we are going to, you know, protect our interests, protect ourselves. So Xi, you better not attack Taiwan. I don't get his thinking here. I mean, other than trying to get us into a war. We need to be honest with ourselves. We are a nation at war. We are a nation at war right now. The $40 billion approved by Congress and sent to Ukraine amounted to our declaration of war against Russia. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution grants Congress the authority to, to declare war. And you might be saying, I don't, where, where do we declare war in that? We just sent money to Ukraine. Well, the Constitution doesn't specify a process on how Congress must declare war, only that they have the power to do so. So sending money through the formal channels of a congressional bill that cleared both houses to a country at war. Ukraine, amounts to us declaring war against Russia since we sent the money to Ukraine with the intent of them using it to defeat Russia, who we apparently, uh, none of our um, elected officials can keep Russia's name out of their mouth at this point. doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. Now you throw in McConnell's rhetoric here about uh, tough talk about you know, Chinese people be in great, you know, be in uh, grave harm if they attack Taiwan and, you know, Ukraine, we're going to help them beat Putin. You throw all that in here and there's little doubt that we've entered into the Ukraine-Russia war and that we are looking to start one with China. It wouldn't surprise me if the $40 billion was just the first step in this and that at some point we end up sending troops into Ukraine for sure, and you know China makes a move on Taiwan, immediately we'll have battleships and troops landing on that island. It seems like after four years of actual deterrence through building up our military, through Trump reaching out to these world leaders that up till till his presidency nobody wanted to talk to, and, you know, throw in that um, Trump didn't telegraph our every strategic move like Biden does. 
the congressional warmongers are ready to get back to playing their game of risk in real life. Only now we are doing it from a position of weakness. Our military is weaker. Our president is certainly weaker and can't keep anything strategic to himself. His staff's constantly walking back everything he says. Our economy is getting weaker. Yes, I do believe we are in a recession. So our economy is getting weaker. Our standing on the world stage is weaker. None of our allies want to talk to Biden. They won't talk to Biden unless they absolutely have to. Yet our elected officials want to get us into more wars. They want to send us into more potential quagmires. The rhetoric needs to stop. The laundering of our money around the world needs to stop. We need to stop sending billions to Pakistan for gender studies. We need to, what's going to happen to this 40 billion that gets sent uh, to Ukraine? It's not going to be accounted for. You know, it's not going to be accounted for. We're not going to say, okay, Ukraine, what'd you use this for? We know the answer to what they used it for. Politicians aren't the ones hurt by this protecting and spreading of democracy, as they like to put it, when they're sending us money all over the place, when they're sending our troops all over the place. It's the everyday citizen. It's you and me. It's the families of the soldiers that don't come home. It's our future generations as they continue to print money to send off to foreign lands where it seemingly disappears, yet our elected officials get richer by the year. When does it end? We need to hold these uh, elected officials to account. We need to make them understand that they need to take care of us first, take care of the home front first, and then if there's anything left over, then let's take care of uh, the Ukraines. Then let's take care of Taiwan. Enough with the threats. Start working on our homeland first. All right. Do you have a question or comment about the show? Send me an email, ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. I'll answer your question or read the comment right here on the show. All right, continuing on with our theme here today of our government poking the biggest bears on the planet and what their responses are. We have uh, Russia and China have been teaming up. We know that already, but they're uh, looking to expand that cooperation in the future. I have a piece here from the Epic Times written by Frank Fang outlining what that cooperation will look like in the future. And honestly, we as a country should be very concerned. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said his country will focus on strengthening ties with China, saying the two neighboring countries have common interests, mainly seeing the destruction of the United States. And Fang goes on and writes here, and can make technical technological advances together. Now that the West has taken the position of dictator, our economic ties with China will grow even faster, Lavrov said. Our nuclear-armed adversaries are going to focus on strengthening their relationship. And here we are over here in the United States eating ice cream and sending our soldiers through training on their right rage. China and Russia, by all accounts, are not going to put any limits on their partnership, meaning that all areas of potential collaboration are available and will be explored. 
Now, I would take that to mean that the partnership goes beyond economic cooperation. It goes beyond the cooperation the two countries have had in, in space exploration and will flow into the military support realm as well. I would expect China and Russia to run joint military exercises and potentially go as far as to send support to one another in any conflict they may get into. Though at this point, while China has not condemned Russia's incursion into Ukraine, they have not yet sent any tangible aid to Russia either. So the Ukraine war might not be the hill China goes to die on in this instance, as far as the the, uh, cooperation is concerned. As I think the Chinese are a bit more politically savvy in that regard, they know it's politically untenable with the number of countries sanctioning and condemning Russia over the Ukraine uh, war. It, It wouldn't be good for their ambitions globally to aid Russia at this time. I think the Chinese have also seen what a disaster Russia's military has been in this uh, incursion into Ukraine. And I would bet uh, they are more than willing to sit this one out because of that. They Maybe they're sending some money, may, maybe not. I couldn't find anything definitive on that. What I could find, however, is that China has uh, in, indeed in, uh, upped its trade activity with Russia increasing its imports of gas, oil, and coal from Russia by 70%, 75% in April. Now, does that replace what Russia's lost by being sanctioned for its actions in Ukraine? No, but it does take the sting out of those sanctions somewhat and allows Russia to not totally collapse economically, keeps them afloat, keeps some money flowing. It gives them some funding to continue their operations in Ukraine. And instead of acting strategically here, what are the loudmouth warmongers in our government doing? Well, they're provoking both countries. As I covered before, they're pushing them to deepen their ties at a time when we as a country are the weakest we have been in generations possibly ever. We've never been this weak in my lifetime, and Carter was president when I was born. We need to do our homework through primary season here and also in the general election in November. As voters, we need to vote sanity back into our government. We need to vote America first back into our government. Survival of our, of our republic depends on it. Now, the other thing hurting us is this constant mismessaging coming out of the White House. Biden's handlers continually have to walk back what he says. Now, for the third time, they've had to walk back what he said about defending Taiwan. I don't think... Uh, For a second, the Chinese believe in that walk back of that statement. What was said was said. They know it to be true. I think it's it's obvious we'd come to Taiwan's aid. It's been said. That's been our stance over uh, many years now. But Biden continually telegraphs our strategy. He continually says what we are going to do, what our reaction will be. And the Chinese know that. Trump was unpredictable. They never knew, these uh, leaders, these despotic leaders, never knew really what Trump was going to do. And that was the, the beauty of it. But Biden, Biden, Biden just says whatever. They, they can't shut him up. He goes off script of the teleprompter when it comes to stuff, and he sounds like a total idiot because he doesn't know what he's talking about. 
he continues to telegraph our strategy. The Chinese know that. They know that they go into Taiwan, they're going to get some resistance from us. They know, the Chinese know that what he says is what was said in conversations he's had with staff, with, with, with military leaders, etc. And, and that's no matter how much walking back his handlers do, the Chinese know that that's what's said, that's the strategy, that's how we're going to move forward. You think about this, the Chinese don't have a messaging problem. North Korea isn't ever playing cleanup on their messaging. Neither is Russia nor the tyrant in Canada. Trudeau, I don't see them walking back any of the crazy stuff Trudeau's saying. No, not, none of these other leaders have their handlers walking back statements, just ours. Well, maybe if our leader wasn't loose lips here trying to sink our ships, they wouldn't have to walk stuff back. But, but he just he throws our strategy to the wind there and says, here's what we're going to do. We're not strong enough to be that brazen. We're not strong enough to say, we're going to do this, try us. Under Trump, we were. And I'm sure he, uh, he had some conversations like that and said, go ahead and try me, see what happens. In fact, I covered one when Putin didn't think Trump was serious, and then Trump uh, blasted a, a special force that uh, he told uh, Putin to get out of Syria. He eliminated that special Russian force. Putin knew he was serious at that point and didn't test him again. We are not in that position right now. We are not in that position to be so arrogant to have our president saying, we're going to do this. If you do A, I'm going to do B, try me. We're not there. But yet he continues to do it. His handlers continue to have to to walk it back. And nobody believes the walk back, nor should they. Until Biden is out of office, this will continue. We're going to see this for another, at least, hopefully, that's it, only two more years. Hopefully, that's it. But over that two years, as long as this continues, our enemies will know exactly what our intentions are, what our thinking is, and what are those, those conversations that are happening behind the scenes. Okay, onward. Joe Biden, he's rattled by his polling numbers. This is according to a new report from NBC News, of all places. Now, the more I dig into the Biden presidency, the Biden uh, and Joe Biden as a man, and hear insights into the man he is from sources that know him, that have interacted with him, things I've observed, it's apparent that he's very thin-skinned. Just like, uh, honestly, just like every other politician out there. If you can't take criticism, politics is the wrong arena for you to be in. And he's not really all that bright of an individual. That's well known. I think people will confirm, have confirmed that off the record, of course. Um, But also you can just, you, you can just see, you can tell. And it's also, though, he's Uncle Joe. He seems like a nice enough guy, right? Well, a few weeks ago, I was at a gathering of conservatives where we had the opportunity to ask our Senator Ron Johnson questions and listen to his insights on the current state of our country. One thing he said is that Biden is a nice guy, but is being misguided by those around him. He's pro- Ron Johnson's being overly nice there. He's, <laughs> Biden's 
being fully taken advantage of by those around him. That misguided. That's a nice way to put it, but we can see. We see what's really going on. And Biden being misguided by those around him, it's not hard to do because Biden is a shell of what he was in the Senate and even as vice president. Just from a mental capacity standpoint, being able, uh, just a discernment standpoint. So we have a president who is a nice enough guy, as it seems. He's obviously no Menza graduate, but he's really thin-skinned as well, which brings us back to the NBC report. Now I have a link to a Western Journal article I'll put in the description box that outlines the report and what is uh, kind of what was said and what was compiled in this NBC report. So here's the first uh, snippet from that article. It says this. Faced with a worsening political predicament, President Joe Biden is pressing aides for a more compelling message and a sharper strategy while bristling at how they've tried to stifle the plain-speaking persona that has long been one of his most potent assets. So remember, this is an NBC report. So, of course, they've got to put in the flowery, sparkling uh, description here of Joe Biden, how he's this just just old Scranton Joe, just a plain-speaking, beer-drinking guy. And that's that, that plain-spokenness uh, is just one of his most potent assets. <laughs> well, here's the problem for old Joe. He didn't hire strategists. He didn't hire people in his administration based on merit. He hired based on what boxes those people checked, and competence was obviously not one of those boxes. So he's going to go and he's pressing these aides for a more compelling message. They keep coming up with the same one. We'll get into that in a minute. They keep going to the same dried up well. And he's getting mad about how they're trying to stifle, you know, the old Scranton Joe. This is what you get when you don't hire qualified people. You know, I don't care what somebody looks like, are you qualified or not? Or hold out, I don't care, but to just hire somebody because they check some boxes, I mean, come on. Here's the thing. Good leaders know their limits. They not only know their weaknesses, they admit what those weaknesses are and surround themselves with people who are competent and complement those weaknesses. Biden has done neither. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, thereby not knowing what his limits actually are. Uh, the fact that he's not even the, the smartest guy in a kindergarten classroom, he should know that that's his limit. And, and he's surrounded himself, himself with imbeciles that are not complementary to whatever he actually brings to the table. Now, reports are... He's trying to blame his staffers for his screw-ups while at the same time trying to get them to fix his problem. So how is that a, for a conundrum? You guys are the ones that have screwed this all up for me. Now go and, you know, go and fix it. He doesn't have any ideas of his own. He never did. He, we know that. He, we know he, he was basically disgraced twice while running for president because he plagiarized stuff. We know the guy doesn't have any ideas of his own. So for him to try and fix this, he can't do it. He can't do it. He doesn't have the competence. He doesn't have the know-how to turn this around. What he should have the know-how is, is to stop listening to the imbeciles he's hired 
and start listening to the people, but he won't do that. They're they're too far down. The people aren't the one that that's patting his back saying good job, Joe. At this point, it's it's the imbeciles he's hired. So how's that? How's that for? But you guys are the ones screwing this up. But go and fix it now. The biggest problem for Biden and the Democrat Party as a whole, and I alluded to this before, is they keep going to the same dried up well of white supremacy, racism, and that it's all Trump's fault. That's the message they keep coming up with. That's he wants a new message, but they keep sending the same message out. Nobody's buying that anymore. People in this country are smart. They know when they have been gaslit. Biden wants a sharper message. A good start would have been to be the unifier he touted himself to be when he took office. That would have been a good start. That would have been a good message. People might have actually gotten behind that. How about this message? Stand up for the Constitution instead of trying to subvert it at every turn. There's another message that would be a winner. That would be two way better messages than calling those who don't agree with you and who don't immediately genuflect at everything you say and tell you what a great idea domestic terrorists. You you can't just villainize people and expect your poll numbers to be great. You can't keep going back to the same dummies that have been giving you the message to put out there and ask for a new one and then trot out the same message. See, it goes back to before. Biden is not even anywhere near as smart as a room full of kindergartners. Figure it out, man. You want a new message? Fire the dummies giving you the old message and hire new messengers. Now, there's also this gem from the NBC report. It said this, the so-called cleanup campaign, he, being Biden, has told advisors, undermines him and smothers the authenticity that fueled his rise. Worse, it feeds Republican talking points that he's not fully in command, according to the NBC News report. <laughs> Biden is as fake as they come. What authenticity is there? He's a known liar. He will blow with the wind depending on what he feels will make him well-liked. And right now, that's pandering to the radical imbeciles in that he's hired in on the fringe of the Democrat Party. What authenticity is there about Joe Biden? Sure, like I said, he's a nice guy. It's confirmed. Ron Johnson said Joe Biden's a nice guy. Okay, fine. But is that an act? Maybe, maybe not, but... We know he's not the most authentic guy in the world. We've seen him flip-flop all over the place. He's a known liar, like I said. He he was basically disgraced from running for president twice because he got caught plagiarizing and lying. The statement about authenticity shows how out of touch he really is with his own behavior. Also, we know he's not in command. That's been obvious from day one. It was obvious from the campaign trail that he wasn't in command, that he wasn't going to be in command. Again, going back to his own words at press conferences that have been held, where he's clued us into that he was instructed not to take questions and walks away, or that he's only supposed to call on certain people. I mean, there's there's zoom-in shots of, 
of his list of people that he needs to call into, so we know he's not in command. It's not a talking point that he's not in command. It's a fact. Joe Biden is not in command. And then the final thing of this this, uh, NBC News piece, it's, it's glorious. Democrats are even growing tired of this shtick. They're growing tired of Biden. They're growing tired of the, the, uh, the fringe running the party. Some of the sane ones out there anyway. Uh, hopefully it's only a matter of time that the sane ones start bucking the party and say, no, that's stupid. We got to get back to what's really, uh, the, what, what, really, uh, America, what real Americans want, what their real concerns are. And it's not the white supremacist, racist boogeyman. It's the the kitchen table items. It's inflation. It's high gas prices. It's jobs. Any sane Democrats out there, come back to the middle. Buck the party. Go against them when they have when they they bring up and vote for this stupid stuff. Now these Democrats, they know they're going to get routed. In November, well, the ones that are in touch with, with reality anyway, they know they're going to get routed in November. They know they need to come back to sensible rhetoric. They know they need to take care of things people are talking about and concerned with. And they are tired of the debacle this administration has been. Listen to this quote from Stephanie Murphy, uh, representative from Florida. She said this about uh, uh, the inflation Uh, And this is uh, from that Western Journal uh, report. It says this, Democratic Representative Stephanie Murphy of Florida said the White House has yet to propose an intellectually honest plan to fight inflation. She's got that right. That thing was horrible. The three, whatever it was, three-point plan, I might cover it, maybe not. It's, It's ridiculous and stupid. I might just for laughs. Anyway, going on with what Stephanie Murphy said. She says, if I sound frustrated, it's because I hear from my constituents. They're struggling. This is not a time for political games. It's not a time for finding boogeymen. And Murphy's office said it had been six months since she's had a policy discussion with the Biden White House. Kind of sounds like Trump just continues to live in Biden's head, doesn't it? continues to sound like he wants to undo everything Trump did and cement his own legacy. So he's not focused on the people. He's focused on what Trump did and and blowing the whole thing up, apparently. Well, these failures of the Biden administration are hitting people's pocketbooks and affecting families, yet Biden continues to ignore the people and pander to the radicals. He's trying to cement his, uh, his legacy of greatness, at least in his own mind. But he's only cementing his legacy as the worst president this country has ever had. Barack Obama famously said to never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. And that is one of the very few things that came out of Obama's mouth that I can agree with. If you are listening to the audio-only show and your platform allows for reviews, please give us a five-star review. It helps others find the show. Whether you are listening to the audio version or are viewing on Rumble or YouTube, hit that subscribe button. The more subscriptions we have, the more the show gets into the recommendations made by the algorithms, and the more we are able to spread the truth.
The Michael Sussman jury was a sham. Anyone denying that is being intellectually dishonest. The trial was in D.C., like 90% Democrat there. The jury consisted of a number of Hillary donors and Democrat supporters. Some had supported both Hillary and AOC. It showed that there is a two-tiered justice system in this country. Now, before you argue with me on how fair it actually was, I want you to do this. Instead of Sussman, put in Rudy Giuliani. Instead of Washington, D.C., put in Mar-a-Lago. And instead of Clinton donors, put in Trump donors. And let's throw in Trump-appointed judge into there as well. And then tell me how you would feel about that being a fair trial. The fact is, this trial should not have been held in Washington, D.C. It should have been moved out of there. It should have been moved somewhere to the interior, quite honestly. There was not a chance of a guilty verdict being rendered in this trial. Anything else that Durham brings up, any of his other investigations that go to trial, the trial needs to be outside of Washington, D.C. It needs to be a fair trial. Now, the argument was made by a juror that this was only about lying to the FBI, and we have bigger fish to fry, so it's not that big of a deal. So what? Sussman lied to the FBI, big deal. Politicians lie all the time. But I would counter that with, how can we expect any accountability of our government officials and those associated with them if we continue to just accept lying as, as the status quo? How can we be expected to have any trust in our government if we accept lying as the standard operating procedure? How can you have trust? If someone's constantly lying to you, how can you expect to have trust with them? Why is there a different standard because you know and work for powerful people? I would challenge that juror to lie to the FBI and see what happens. My bet is that she would be convicted in the same scenario. You or I would be convicted of lying to the FBI if we were sitting in this in Michael Sussman's chair. I, I'd have no doubt. That trial could have been in D.C., it could have been in Omaha, Nebraska, it could have been wherever. We would have been tried and convicted for lying to the FBI. That's the two-tiered justice system here. You, you run with powerful people, you get off. Your regular plebeian, you're going to face the consequences of lying to the FBI and whoever else. That, that plain and simple. I it really uh, trial like this shakes. I think it shakes everybody's faith in our justice system, which is really unfortunate because we as Americans have a high sense of justice. We like to see justice done. We like to see fairness and equality in. In, in our justice system, and it's not there. And this this Sussman verdict just proves that. Okay, finishing up today, uh, apparently Jimmy Kimmel had COVID twice over the course of three weeks. <laughs> just take a listen to this sound bite from his show. Hi, everybody. I'm Jimmy. I'm the host of the show. I've returned. I'm back. I'm... <laughs> 
I've returned from the dead. I've, uh, I'm alive. You know, uh, that's very nice. I appreciate it. I had, uh, as you probably heard, I had COVID three weeks ago. I tested positive uh, three weeks ago. I was positive for a week. Then I was negative for a whole week between that. Then I was positive for another week. And now, what I'm saying is I'm weak, I think, is really what I'm saying. And uh, I wasn't very sick either time. Fortunately, I had two boosters and a whole bottle of Flintstones vitamins to help me. But it was a reality check. You know, once I tested negative, I was like, oh, I'm indestructible. I could do anything. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like Jimmy had a bad test. It sounds like that he may be pandering to the vax wing. Maybe he got some talking points from the DNC through his producers to push boosters since we have an oversupply of vaccines and and expiration dates are starting to hit. We know the tests are less unreliable. Also, could there have been something triggering it from being double boosted because he said he didn't feel all that bad? Could he even, did he even have it? I honestly, I, I don't know. I, I want not him. I'm, you know, not his doctor or anything, but it's, have, saying you had it twice in three weeks is very suspicious, very, very interesting. And, and you know why do you say he didn't feel that bad? Honestly, I didn't feel all that bad either when I had COVID. I couldn't smell or taste anything. My head at times felt like it was uh, under pressure. I, you know, I was very fatigued, but I would I say I've been sicker? Probably, yeah. I've had worse stuff than that that's brought me to my knees and, and not been able to like get out of bed for days at least with that i could get out of bed here and and do stuff here and there i just would get fatigued and you know what i didn't feel that bad and i've taken exactly zero of their poison darts so what's that say it's different for everybody i know you know but i'm just for sake of argument and comparison here and that's the story across the board could he have gotten covid two out of the three weeks Sure. Um, it's possible, I guess. We know, but we know again, he's double boosted. I'm double boosted, he said. I, it, the probability of that is so small, it's unlikely. Uh, you know, we know what the dominant strain is. So, in essence, he would have had to have gotten two different strains over, uh, over those two or three weeks. Knowing from my own COVID uh, battle and what others have said, you know, it, it took a good two weeks before I was uh, not, you know, feeling fatigued every day. And it was still a little while after that where I'd have some fatigue here or there. So could he have gotten it two or three weeks? Sure, but it's, it's such a small probability. It's unlikely. And, and you throw in there what we know about immunity in those that have contracted the virus. Uh, to me, it's just pandering. I, I think he's just pandering. You know, my guess here is it was likely all a ruse to have an extra reason for his producers to push the button on his laugh track for his unfunny show. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth.
I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.